0: Hey, page 73, can anybody guess what the topic is? If you're on page 73, you might get a hint. Satan and demons, are you serious, man? What a mouthful that is. Is that real? That's just like make-believe stuff that you see on Bugs Bunny cartoons and stuff like that, and Halloween people dress up like that, and that's all. Man, I tell you what, boy, isn't that our problem? We saw before, what is the stat in the, uh, uh, you poll people, and do you even believe in Satan? And this is what's shocking, the latest one, it used to be 52%, it's now up to 65% of people. Do not believe that Satan is literal. It's just a symbol of evil. Okay, now if I, if I, if I were Satan, so to speak, and uh, if I wanted to uh, take somebody down, take a church down, take a Christian down, do whatever, hey, the best thing you could do is to get them to think that you don't even exist so when you appear on the scene, they don't even know what hit them. 65% don't even believe. That satan exists and yet he does and he messes with this every single day okay let's take a look at their top of page 73 in uh, college one of my required courses was philosophy anybody ever take that in second college man i had two courses on that and uh, and that and, and what he says here this is exactly what my professor did the same thing okay and in that class the professor enjoyed uh, attempting to what destroy the faith of any young christians uh he had attended the question is, there are a god, was one of the main discussions in the class uh, curriculum, okay? And I remember seeing that same professor on Halloween night dressed in a bright red satin costume. And the costume had a long pointed tail, pointed ears on the hood, and the essential accessory was a red pitchfork. To my atheistic professor, it was all a big what? joke his idea of satan came from the medieval portraits of satan that portrayed him as very similar to that costume now i think we shared this before but why is it that today in the church even that satan and demons are usually uh uh portrayed as something hideous and ugly and terrifying although they are if you've ever had an actual demonic attack been there done that actually encountered actual demons been there done that it is extremely terrifying Uh, in fact terror is not even an appropriate word okay i don't even know how to describe it okay uh it's just almost paralyzing fear is getting closer uh to what you're dealing with here okay so there is that element but by and large how do we get into that because we're going to see in two texts you're going to see that satan was a beautiful if you will creature the anointed cherub okay so how did he get this (coughs) pitchfork and well believe it or not historically that happened in the what's called the dark ages okay you ever wonder why the dark ages in western civilization was called the dark ages well, they were dark because of, uh, of just society going down the tubes, but also spiritually dark because after about around 400 A.D., okay, you had the birth of the church down here, right? Okay, and basically the church was getting persecuted, extreme persecution, heavy duty persecution, but the blood of the martyrs is the seed of the church, and the more you persecute the church, the more the, uh, uh, God's great work began to show. And, and, and the church grew uh, amazingly all over in uh, Western civilization over there until around 300-ish, 325, 350, around there, you got this guy called Constantine that came along. And, uh, and he basically put an end to Christian persecution because he said that he was a Christian. There's a whole historical debate whether he was or whether he wasn't, whatever, whatever. But basically, that was the official stamp of approval for Christianity in the Roman Empire. And that stopped the persecution. You're thinking, well, that's great. Actually, it probably worked to the church's detriment. Because at that point, instead of uh, Christians, it was a, definitely a pure time. Because the moment you said you were Christian, you had a choice to make. You either burn incense to Caesar or you're dead okay you literally were given a choice it's, it's going to be repeated we see that in the book of revelation okay you take this okay it's going to be repeated okay and, and so at that time though it became in vogue to be a christian it was cool to be a christian and so what you see is that the world came flooding into the church and the persecution wasn't there so now it was easy to be a christian and so now the church is flooded with non-christians because everybody's can be a Christian. You know, and it's the same thing that's being repeated today. Shortly after that, 400, 425 ish, you have the, the birth of the first official Roman Catholic Pope. Okay, is so what's going on there. You have the birth of the Roman Catholic, Catholic uh, meaning universal church. Catholicism basically was born. Shortly after that, guess what appeared on the scenes? Dark Ages. And it was dark. Okay, and that's when basically you had the Roman Catholic Church had a stranglehold. And what they did is they basically had a stranglehold not only on religion, okay portraying themselves as christianity but they also had a stranglehold on the governments they were tied into them because what they would do is hold sway over the kings and the authorities of that area oh yeah we'll withhold communion from you if you don't do what we say that was the game that they played we'll excommunicate you and say well so who cares so what well back then of course in that, that the teaching is you have to take communion in order to be saved you have to be a part and they still teach it today you have to be a part of the catholic church in order to be saved so they're thinking well we're doomed straight to hell so they would bow a knee and that was the political control so it was ecclesiastical control that was going on political control and it was what's classified as the dark ages now during that time you had a lot of superstition people didn't have uh copies of the bible like we have today at all your gutenberg press wasn't until way down here okay but even then you cost some serious cash to get your hands on them and then as we saw before in 1229 a.d the roman catholic church even though the language was changing to english Okay, uh, they kept the Bible in Latin. Why? So that if you dare, got your own copy. You know, you have no right uh, to interpret the Bible uh, yourself. You have to go from some ecclesiastical structure, okay? Anyway, and so then basically the only time that we started to get free from that was you got a little in the late 1300s, okay? You got John Huss and those guys and 1400s and uh, John Wycliffe. And then you get into what's typically referred to as the Protestant Reformation, protesting this stuff. In the 1500s, and that's when you got uh, uh, John Calvin, you got Martin Luther, Ulrich Zwingli, and those kind of guys, and they get the credit, but it kind of started back here. Okay, now, here's my whole point. During this dark age time, people didn't have the Bible. They couldn't say, well, that's not what the Bible says. You know, here's here's how demons are. Here's how Satan is. Here's what they do. Here's what they look like. Here's how they fell. And the whole thing that we're getting ready to study. They didn't have that. So guess what was on the rise? It's called superstition. Don't you dare go under a ladder you know this is where all those things kind of came from right don't break a mirror what's gonna happen if you break a mirror it still continues today doesn't it and so there's a lot of superstition that was going on during this time okay now during that time the early church knew they had they knew their bible okay they knew what the scripture says about satan okay and if you will during this superstitious time the dark ages they began to depict satan as a way to get back at him originally is how it started Oh yeah, we know that you were the anointed cherub and Mr. Beauty and wonderful. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah? So when we draw pictures of you, we're going to depict you as something hideous and ugly. That's actually what started it. Well, that continued on for a few generations until the next generation didn't realize the impetus of the people who started to portray him like that as a way, if you will, to get back at him. Okay? And so now it's kind of continued on to today. He just... uh, But as we're going to see, that's part of his illusion. The Bible clearly says Satan appears as a angel of light he can appear very wonderful and beautiful and doesn't always show up on the scene with absolute utter paralyzing fear sometimes it's with feelings of ecstasy and love don't tell me that was demonic mm, you better get check your bible man you're being duped okay but that's what, uh, what as we're going to see there but let's continue on okay uh, he believes satan was simply an image of a superstition created in the mind of man and propagated throughout history uh, unfortunately even though many who call themselves christians either deny the existence of Satan, 65%, and his host of demons directly by their own admission, they just flat out uh, say it, or indirectly by their actions. They act like, here's the biggest problem I would say in the church. Because of secular psychology, once again, okay, Freud believed that the idea of God, like this atheist professor, uh, by and large, the idea of God was simply made up by our forefathers in order to cope with life. Okay, Karl Marx, communism, Okay, who, by the way, was a Satanist. And you know how he died? He died burning candles to Lucifer. His nurse came in. He was going, uh, dying. And, uh, she, and he says, uh, "She said, you got any last words? He says, get on, or get out. Uh, last words are for fools. And he was, ah, you know, horrible scene. You don't hear about that today, do you? you Here's some of the words, you know. A Nietzsche died utterly insane. You know, the guy said that God is dead. Well, I got news for you. God's still alive and Nietzsche's dead. And he found out too late okay and things of that nature uh but that's what we're seeing here uh is that uh, he believed that uh, it was just a simply made up uh issue that uh, god is not real and uh that's what he says and that's what christians do because with like with freud it's just an idea uh, Karl marx it's opiate for the masses you know it's just about to, to control people have you ever heard that well this whole idea of hell and satan that's just for you know, the church to control you and rip you off your money and and just to make you do stuff and scare you scare tactics you Okay, well, that's where this idea comes, secular psychology. Now, because of secular psychology, because of Freudianism, okay, it it really began to downplay, and still does today, the spiritual element of life. Every day when we get up, the Bible's very clear. Yes, there's angels of God. I'm starting to mess up my little thing. Uh, Angels of God, holy angels of God, okay. Angel, by the way, is the Greek word uh, angelos, okay, which just simply means messenger, so there's positive, there's two categories. There's those who rebelled with Satan, okay, uh, the rebellious ones, the demons, and the unfallen ones who stayed with God. One-third, two-thirds is what the scripture gives us the picture. And they're just messengers, right? So the holy ones are messengers of God. The unholy ones are messengers of Satan, okay, is that, that's what it is. And so all it is is just uh, ongelos. But again, what they want to do today is, is let's just make believe. That's just a Bugs Bunny cartoon, you know, the red guy pops up on the shoulder, hey, go do this. And the, the white one pops up, don't do that, that wouldn't be nice. And of course, they always let the other guy, the bad guy, beat the other guy up, and anyway, whatever. So there's, oh, it's just cartoons, just make believe. Okay, that's our secular mindset, okay? So what they do is they downplay the spiritual, and they say that there is really no spiritual, and that everybody's ailments, everybody's problems, everybody's conflicts, everybody's uh, problems are only physical. Okay, And the only way that you can deal with that is via a chemical. But that's not what the Bible says. I'm not saying every ailment is a spiritual attack or demonic issue. But don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Sometimes it is. Open your Bibles to Ephesians chapter 6. God's very clear about this. This is the battle we face every day whether we want to acknowledge it or not. But because of our skeptical society, our secular psychology society that has downplayed the spiritual for so long, We don't think that our conflicts and our troubles are spiritual. They're all just natural. It's just a physical thing. Not necessarily so. Let's take a look at the context there. Uh, Ephesians chapter 6 is uh, where we're going to be. Verse 10, all right, is uh, what Paul is saying here. He says, finally be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Well, why? So you can go around looking cool and buff and. No, because you need some armor. That would imply that there must be a battle of some sort. What are you guys thinking? okay and it's not a fashion show okay put on the full armor of god so that you can take your stand against the make-believe thing with the pitchfork oh i'm sorry wrong translation john He sharp guy you I'll tell you what uh no the devil schemes okay methodia methodology now what does that imply that's what the greek word is methodia methodology what does that imply oh it's just random when he attacks he's got a plan baby he's got it all methodically planned out Step by step I had an instructor that says man don't uh, the, the 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 harsh if you will rendering of the word demon in the scripture means intelligent ones okay very smart okay is what's going on there now they've had six thousand years roughly to watch mankind in our fallen state with the sin nature they know how we work and because they know how we work and with their intelligence they know how to trick us and tempt us. They see the same traps that we fall every single time for. It. They just repackage it for a new generation and it's all of the same. And he said he doesn't really need to be that intelligent because unfortunately, we're not equipped scripturally and we fall for the same goofball traps in different clothing. Okay, so what's going on? But that's what he says. He says the devil schemes, okay? Now, why? Because our struggle is only physical. Anytime you have a physical problem... Or there's a physical conflict between people or entities. It's just physical. It's a natural thing. Unfortunately, it's just the sin nature is all that's going. Oh, I'm sorry. Wrong wrong thing. What would you say? For our struggle is not against flesh and blood. I.e. it's not just natural, but against what? It's spiritual. Now listen to this. Rulers. Against the authorities. Against the power of this dark world. Against the spiritual forces in the heavenly realms. Therefore put on the uh, full armor of God. So that when, not if. When the day of evil comes, you may be able to run and freak out and hide. You no, know, you may be able to stand your ground. And after you've done everything, uh, to stand. Now, another side note here, and we're going to get to that if I can get that far in my notes. Notice that our struggle is not just physical, uh, it's spiritual, right? And notice the chain of command that is in there with the spiritual. You've got rulers, you've got authorities, you've got powers, you've got forces. What's that sound like? That sounds like an army or something. That sounds like uh, there's a chain of command. That sounds like there's organization. That sounds like when they work, they work together. There's a chain of command, they follow. Is it any wonder that one of the things that the enemy wants us to do is to be divided? He knows the power of unity. He uses it in his own camp, right? Very, very interesting. We'll get to that in just a second. So again, this is what our world does. This is why I'm not overly shocked by the 65%. It's gut-wrenching. But i'm not overly shocked because we have ingested so much non-biblical teaching secular teaching that gets us to think just like this atheistic professor it's all a big joke and the irony is it goes on every single day every minute everywhere you go not to freak you out but been there done that you guys know my testimony i've seen these things with my i don't base this on just what i've seen it's the scripture's clear (laughs) we'll get to that in a second but uh, seen him with my own eyes. We, with the one that uh, always followed us around before I got saved. We saw him so many times. This entity, this black entity, we called him Harry. Oh, that's Harry. And uh, with that, uh, uh, some of the Satan organizations and things that uh, you get uh, specifically invited to these parties. They, they, you, don't, you don't just show up. They come and I remember this one. They, they, it's a private invite. And it was at this uh, uh, heavy metal bar and uh, they just came and they, they tap you on the shoulder. You know, they, they choose you. Who gets to come? And these places, folks, are so stinking dark. People have no stinking idea what's going on in the music world and what these people are doing backstage and offering sacrifices and things to Satan and things of that nature. You guys heard AJ's testimony, right? If you guys recall that? What did he experience? Being in Hollywood, getting ready to sign a contract. What was the deal? What do you have to do to make this contract so he can have fame and riches? He had to sign a contract in blood. This is real, folks. This really goes on all the time. Been there, done that, okay? And yet, we act like it's all a game and our only problems that we have, Christians, churches, is just physical. He's got us, okay? We need to wake up to the fact that not all of it is just physical. Let's continue on. He says, uh, in other words, those who believe intellectually that he exists do not really believe that he has much effect on them. Are Satan and his demons a myth? From the minds of the superstitious, or do they really exist? And if they do exist, do they have any effect on mankind today? And what about how they affect the believer? These are questions that Ruth has, and we will consider in this chapter. Thank you, Ruth. There's a lot there. Just let me get one at a time, will you? Come on. Thank you. I'm trying. But anyway, but let's whet our appetites, okay? I don't want to just share you testimonies of uh, uh, my background, uh, even AJ's background, but I want to share some of the stories we've talked about before of just how real this is okay and i think that m- much of why we see the church going into apostasy we did six studies on that you guys get those all memorized praise god and we'll preach online later and uh so uh <laughs> but uh, this is real i think part of the reason why the church is going down the tube so fast is because of this we're getting beat up left and right and we're looking in all the wrong places it's like we're shadow boxing you know we're getting hit over here and we're going oh, what was that maybe it's just the wind what Let let me share with you that, okay. Now, as I read through these, these are actual testimonies, actual accounts, okay, of actual Satanists and witches, and how they take down Christians, and how they take down churches. Pay attention to the fact that this not only goes on today, but pay attention to how they destroy Christians' walk with God, and how they destroy churches, okay? Here's just a, a couple of them. Uh, This one uh, lady who came out of black witchcraft, oh, by the way, in case you don't fall for that lie, oh, that's just white witchcraft, black, uh uh-uh. I don't care how you color it, it's evil, evil to the core. Okay, witchcraft is witchcraft, whatever color you want to label on, that's a lie, that they say it's one's better than the other. They're both from the same camp. Uh, She says this, uh, Christians are the Satanist's worst enemy. They are out to torment you, they are out to blackmail you. They will even kill you. They tried to kill me when I came out of black witchcraft. Another Satanist said this, He said, if you're in a church, now listen, okay, what is the premise for them to attack you? Listen to the whole premise. If you're in a church where the spirit of God is really moving and the word of God is really being preached and where prayer is really going up to heaven for the salvation of souls, they are going to regard you as their mortal enemy. Now, if you're a church who's in apostasy, uh, if you're a church who's floating down the wave of the culture, if you're a church who with uh, all due respect is just preaching nothing but fluff, they've got you. Probably won't get a whole lot, even though that in itself is a spiritual attack. Okay? But when do you get the full frontal assault? What do he say? When the Spirit of God is moving, when souls are being prayed for and getting saved, and when the Word of God is really being preached. Guess what? You just became target. Okay? And half the times I think that when things are happening uh, in churches, great things are happening, and then things start to go a little weary and by the wayside and messing up and hiccups and burps in here we fall for the trap we don't realize it's because things are going good and not everything is natural sometimes it's spiritual and we need to deal with it in the spiritual fashion you see what i'm saying otherwise we're just going to be shadow boxing again listen to this uh another guy says uh they are going to be out there trying to do er- because you're preaching the word of god and souls are getting saved and things of nature. They're going to be out there trying everything they can to destroy, to kill, and to maim because that, of course, is the nature of Satan (coughs) and also the nature of his followers. Listen. And so what they do is they just stay outside and cast spells and pray to Satan that send demons your way. They will try to infiltrate your church. They will, and here's what they do. Listen to how they take down the church. (coughs) They will try to set up whispering campaigns against the pastor and the leadership. They may even try to seduce the pastor, okay? But what they do is they try to attack the authority of the church to bring it down. Why? Because that divides the church. Listen to this. Another guy, Glenn, he was a uh, 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 ritualistic uh, Satanist. Uh, His family, he was like a third generation Satanist. He was actually being groomed to be the next high priest and he got saved. Listen to what he was doing. He said, for two years, I was involved in a Baptist church. Satanist being trained to be a high priest in Satanism. He said, I was constantly complaining about the pastor's sermons. Being too long, too dry, sowing discord among the people and gossiping about others. He would literally sit there and just, (laughs) you hear them talking about sermons, teaching, leadership. You hear what the deacons said, did. Satanist. For two stinking years he was there, they had no stinking clue who he was and what he was up to. He wasn't up here drawing a pentagram, conjuring up a demon. We'll get to that in a second. What was he doing? He was taking down the church with his mouth, getting others to go on. Some Satanists, another guy said this, <coughs> are hand-picked, and the, the most powerful ones, and they're sent into church services to disrupt the meeting and uh, to stop the people from going forward when they'd ask people to go forward to accept Christ as their Savior. They would literally cause a ruckus at the altar call. That never happens, does it? You ever wonder why all of a sudden people get antsy? I'll never forget. I'll never forget. It was so blatant. I, the, I, I didn't hardly even get home from preaching that sermon. I had phone, my phone was ringing off the hook. Pastor, did you see that? Pastor Billy, could you believe that? I was preaching on spiritual warfare at the church on the East Coast. And I was exposed. To, here's what the enemy does. Here's what he does. And we were talking about how he distracts you, okay, from hearing the word of God. And all the different methodologies, the methodia that he uses. as soon as I did that, I kid you not almost, it was like then in, in 20, 30 cell phones went off all at the same time. It was mind-blowing. And I just okay, and they just kept going, everybody shut them off right? We continue to get into the study. We continue to expose what he's up to and how he's trying to do these things and disrupt the services and people's opportunity to hear the word of God and grow and all of a sudden. And then it was like somebody lit a match under uh, people's feet in the congregation. It was just like, just antsy, just moving, people getting up and like whatever. It was, right. it was, just, it was so apparent. I mean, I'm sitting up there trying to preach and going through all them. Okay, we must be hitting something good, causing a ruckus now. Woo, preach it. Yeah, you know, I get excited when that stuff happens because you know something good's happening. Somebody's trying to mess it up, right? Because they infiltrate to the church. And uh, so <laughs> it was so people calling. I said, that's exactly what's preached on. Do you think this is a game? Are you in this camp? Don't you think it happens? Hey, people are getting saved. The word of God's being preached. So guess what? You became a target. You don't think it's going to happen to us? You don't think it's going to happen to us here at Sunrise? I'm telling you, we're fooling ourselves. We're shadow boxing if we think it isn't going to happen, okay? Now, <clears throat> another guy, another Satanist, he was a high priest. He said, I personally, in fact, was trained, and he was another guy that sat in the congregation. He said, I was trained to learn all the Christian jargon, you know, phrases like hallelujah and praise the Lord, right? He said, well, why would a Satanist say that? He can't yeah, he can. Hallelujah to who? Lord who? Notice it's not Jesus. I think we talk about, you know, those God, who's your God? You know, these are generic terms nowadays. They're very specific. He says, I was trained to say hallelujah and praise the Lord and say all the right things, sitting in there amongst the people. And yet I had no idea of Jesus being my savior than a man on the moon. And Glenn, he closes with this. He says, if you can tear down the prayer foundation of a church, then you destroyed that church. And that's what every witch or Satanist plans to do when they go into that church is to tear down that prayer foundation because the rest of the church quickly goes after that. Hey, wouldn't it be awesome if we spent more time fighting each other than praying together in unity? Yeah, if you're a Satanist, you want to take down the church. That's a great plan. That's what they do. Now, that's Satanist. Here's another thing that we don't believe exists today because, again, with cartoons and things of that nature, they just ride brooms and have this uh, this hag with warts coming out. Uh, okay. And they're, they're only named Broomhilda. Okay. But it's witches okay, and that's huge, and the reason why it's huge today, and there's a massive explosion of witchcraft, even in the church today, is because we saw before in the final countdown study, is because this new term for witchcraft, they just changed the terminology, it's called Wicca, that's witchcraft, that's all it is, and kids today are being trained, and they specifically target young girls, okay, and, and seduce them into that, okay, but guys get into it because they become a sorcerer, okay, but listen to this, here's what witches are doing, Notice again why they would attack a Christian, why they would attack a church. Notice what they do to bring down that church and destroy that Christian. Ready? Here's what, this is an actual report. I got it. And, uh, and it's talking about, the, it, was, it was for several high-profile pastors, if you will, were asking that this report be sent out because it's going on and the churches need to be equipped. Here's what it is. Okay. We, now ha- we now know of a large number of churches that have been successfully infiltrated by churches. Uh, In fact, in one town, witches boast that they have infiltrated every church in the town and judging by the devastation caused in some of the churches in this town, the claim is probably correct. Their plan is meeting with amazing success. One church that we've been told of originally had a membership of well over 100. The membership is now down to 30 and the remaining members are almost totally demoralized. I I just had some lady uh, It's like, why are you sending this to me? Uh, She had uh, uh, said that there was a, uh, a church for sale in Pennsylvania you want to buy it and I says I don't know, I'll keep my I, I don't want to buy it and, you know whatever it's a church building whatever and she wrote back and and uh, I said well you know I'll keep my ears open if somebody in the area is looking for a facility or something and uh but she says how sad it's happening all over dozens of churches are being closed every single day here in America you know that churches are closing doors but I, I know it's just natural it's just natural it's just some unfortunate decision that was made or just, you know, things just didn't work out. They didn't have a really good game plan going on, okay? Listen to this, but that's, the, that's not the only tactic, okay? He says this, this report says, this is now happening in an increasing number of churches and many promising young pastors are now leaving the ministry because of it. Listen to this. These witches are working to a carefully laid out plan which has been operating for many years, right under our noses without even our suspecting it. Some profess to be fine Christians. Well, how would we fall for that? Because we only think things are uh, physical. We only look on the outside. We don't pay attention to what spiritually is going on. They dress well. They speak well. They're usually well-educated. And in some cases, knowledgeable in spiritual matters. Some witches appear content just to sit in uh, congregations and mumble their incantations. Okay, while others go out of their way to gain acceptance in the church. And then they carefully work their way into positions of influence. Ooh. they become members and then they become to take an active part singing in the choir uh joining in the diaconate uh then they uh, work to a highly effective plan which is aimed at destroying the pastor's reputation seducing him or spreading rumors about him they also create factions within the church they pit one group against another and thus they create division they may lay charges against the pastor they may even put these charges in writing and then send them to the diaconate Uh, this ploy often divides members of the diaconate against each other or sometimes turns the diaconate against the pastor Uh, the results stemming from these methods are obvious and manifold causes confusion suspicion loss of confidence in the pastor emotional problems tension disunity the list is almost endless and we are certain that this is only the tip of the iceberg but hey just natural you know good thing the word of god's not being preached and nobody's getting saved here at sunrise and You know, we're not praying that people get saved and, man, because, man, I'd hate to be a target. Interesting. You know, I've said this before, uh, but I'll say it again. I truly believe that I don't think there's ever been a church that I've been a part of that I have not experienced spiritual warfare, specifically on these things. And the tactics that that these people use, some of them I do believe uh, were in this enemy's camp, Come into the church services. Okay, and sometimes that comes to a head and you find out later. Then they're done that. Okay, sometimes I think that people don't realize maybe an enemy was here and they got things kickstarted, and they spread through the church and they left and let the church go down the tubes. Sometimes, maybe the enemy had nothing to do with it, but we get spiritually attacked by a demon. You don't have to have a Satanist or witch show up physically. Demons can come and they can get us to do this to each other. Yappity yappity, 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 yappity slander and gossip causing division in the church why because it works every single time one more thing just to uh, share with this. and these are some people that uh, i know um uh, out of some serious heavy duty witchcraft and according to witchcraft whether you want to believe it or not uh they have classified certain demons that they conjure up to take christians down and to take churches down okay i'm going to read you the top seven according to witchcraft of demons And as we saw in the text in in Ephesians 6, very interesting, even those in witchcraft admit there is an order and there is a structure. Very interesting. But here's the seven most powerful demons according to witchcraft. Uh, The first one of them is called Regé, R-E-G-E. And uh, he's the general, if you will, of the occult, is what they believe. He deals with such drugs as marijuana, hashish, cocaine, speed, LSD, peyote, mescaline. These are drugs of sorcery. The Bible talks about that in the book of Revelation. Pharmakeia, okay. And if you know anything of those particular kind of drugs, those are mind-altering drugs, and that's the illusion that kids are having today. And uh, you think you're just going on a trip. You think you're just entertaining yourself. No, you're not. You're opening yourself to spiritual doors to demonic possession, okay? Been there, done that. And, And that's what they teach. And these are the drugs of sorcery, and they're used to attack the mind and open it for a demon to enter. That's what witchcraft teaches. Lars is another one. He is the demon of sexual lust, homosexuality, adultery, and other sexual perversions. Bacchus, uh, he's the demon of addictions such as drugs, smoking, and alcohol. Pan, that's where we get the word panic from. He's the demon of the mind. He causes mental illness, depression, suicide, nerves, and rejection. Medit, M-E-D-I-T. He's the demon of hate, murder, killing, war, jealousy, envy, and gossip. Now, why would gossip be in the same category as hate and murder and killing and war? Because you're murdering with your mouth. And you're creating a war with your mouth. Set, S-E-T, he's the demon of death. He incites wars, terrorism, and genocide. Now listen, this is what blew me away. It's just simply called the Christian demon in witchcraft. Listen to this guy. This particular demon has no set name. He is so powerful that most witches won't even bother him. Okay, I conjure this guy up. (laughs) Okay, his job is to weaken a Christian's walk with the Lord by making him content failing to live up to church commitments such as giving or soul winning or church participation etc however listen to this this is the one that they're like we don't even want to mess with this guy the christian demon one of his most destructive tactics is to get christians to talk about each other through gossiping and causing strife within the church anybody starting to see a pattern here sometimes you'll see that satanists do want to freak you out and sometimes they will do uh, things they will spray paint 666 or pentagrams on the church facilities or things like that or in the parking lot. Sometimes they'll actually leave animals behind that they did in their ritualistic sacrifices on your property. They'll freak you out. But oftentimes, they'll either be in your midst or they'll trick you into doing what they do when they're in their midst to take you down and destroy your walk with Jesus. Yippity, yappity, yippity, yappity. Instead of working together, they get us to fight against each other. Why? Why? because good things are taking place been there done that i every single ministry i've been a part of and uh, it's the same tactics uh that he uses today and again what's ironic and that's just we can keep going but i want to at least move on to something else 65 percent of the church does not believe what i just read even though churches are trying to get the word out to the churches this is real it's happening it's rampant it's much more widespread than you can think of and we better get ready right okay now, that was very pleasant. Let's move on. Uh, what about Satan's <laughs> origin and fall? Interestingly enough, the Bible is all about, uh, all but silent, on the creation of Satan and the angelic host in general. Although some would say, theologians say, that they were created on the same day that God made light, being angels, light, and stuff like that. One thing that we can deduce logically from Scripture is that they were created uh, uh <clears throat> before uh, man on day six, and that Satan, uh, we don't know uh how long after man was created that the fall occurred okay but we know that somewhere between um when man was created and he came and tempted eve somewhere in there he had to fall and you could just deduce that from the scripture okay although god did not choose to reveal these facts to us the existence and reality of both satan and demons are clear from the fact that the biblical text is what saturated Okay, with references to both. Now, again, what's, what's the problem is in our secular psychology today, they'll even take a look at passages. You want to read, it's all over the New Testament. How many times did Jesus cast out demons in little kids and adults and whatever? How many times? Things that, demons that were even causing sickness. All the time. But what they do is they, again, they do a in, uh, correct interpretation. They read what's in there, what's not there. okay. And, and what they do is say, no, well, what is, well, really what that is, it's not an actual demon because we all know demons don't exist today. It's just a psychological aberration. And it's too bad back then that they didn't have the medication that we had today because that would fix them and help them to cope with life. And again, I'm not saying that everybody that has some form of a mental illness, if you will, that it's always a demon, but don't throw the baby out the bathwater. I think there's a lot of people, frankly, and I've, I've done many, uh, uh, especially on the East Coast, that seem to be much more prevalent. I'm not saying, uh, but, I mean, as far as making hospital uh, visits to the psych ward? I don't think everything there was just natural. Have you ever been to one of those? Okay? And I think it's unfortunate. What happens is you, is you need to, you know, so, the society would, would literally escort me out. Okay, actually, there, man, there was this one time when I was in there with this person. And we was, it was time to cash them out, man, and uh, this is no medicated thing. This is a demonic issue that's going on here and things of that nature, but if you get caught, you know, with that, uh, man, they'll they'll throw you out, or throw you in jail, or whatever, and things of that nature, because they always think it's always just physical, okay, let's continue on, the existence of the personality of Satan is settled when we accept the biblical revelation is inerrant and inspired, since the scriptures are full of testimony to uh, his existence and activity, okay, yeah, I got some cool stories, yeah, that really happened to me, yeah, that happened to AJ, I just read to you some actual reports of what's actually going on from former Satanists, and from witches, But your primary source is the Bible's clear about it, okay? It's what he's saying there, okay? We are introduced to Satan as early as Genesis chapter 3 where he presents the tempting possibility to Eve that she can be like God. You know, you get to decide what's right and wrong, good and evil, okay? And uh, note that this was the same desire that led to Satan's fall to his becoming the chief adversary of God. He wanted to control. He wanted it his way or the highway. In fact, let's just read Isaiah 14, the classic passage, one of them of uh, Satan's fall. Let's turn there. Mm -hmm. And uh, let's take a look at what happened. And uh, verse 12, Isaiah 14, verse 12 says this. How you have fallen from heaven, O morning star, son of the dawn. You have been cast down to the earth, you who once laid low the nations. You said in your heart, here's what caused it. What? What's the first word there? I. He had an eye problem, didn't he? I, okay, I will ascend to heaven. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit and throne on the mount of assembly on the utmost heights of the sacred mountain. I will ascend to the tops of the cloud. I will make myself like the most high, but you are brought down to the grave to the depths of the pit, okay? Oops, you lost, okay? Ezekiel 28, flip over there, hang another right. And uh, Ezekiel 28, let's take a look at a parallel passage there. Once again, yeah, verse 12 again. And uh, chapter 28, Ezekiel 28. Now, if you need some help, it's page 640 in my Bible. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Verse 12, let's take a look. It says, Son of man, take up a lament concerning the king of Tyre, speaking symbolically of Satan, and say to him, this is what the sovereign Lord says. You were the model of what? Perfection, full of wisdom and and, and perfect in beauty. See, when God created Satan, he was good. When God created, angels are created beings. God's creation is good. He said that every time he created something, he said, and it was good. And we created man, he said it was very good. And then he uh, had the Sabbath day, the seventh day, and it was holy, okay? So what we see is, you know, people say, well, God made Satan, so God's responsible. He's evil. No, he didn't. He made uh, Lucifer, okay, the anointed cherub. But we're going to see he's the one that started evil. Let's take a look. Uh, He says, uh, you're full of uh, uh, the model of perfection, full of wisdom, perfect in what? Beauty.'" Remember the Dark Ages, the depiction, stuff like that? And I you know, we we'll get back to you. Okay. And uh, you were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone adorns you. Ruby, topaz, emerald, chrysolite, onyx, jasper, sapphire, turquoise, beryl. Your settings and mountains were made of gold. On the day you were created, they were prepared. You were anointed as a guardian chair, for I, so I ordained you. You were on the holy mount of God, and you walked among the fiery stones. You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created till what? Where would it come from? Satan wickedness was found in you through your widespread trade you were filled with violence and you sinned So I drove you in disgrace from the mount of God. I expelled you. O guardian cherub from the fiery stones Your heart became what proud and on account of your what beauty and you corrupted your wisdom because of your splendor So I threw you to the earth and I made you a spectacle uh, before uh, Kings and those are a couple classic passages there Of satan's fall. Okay. They're found there. Ezekiel 28 isaiah 14 paul ends writes about this He says speaking of satan he enjoyed an exalted position in the presence of god. The brilliance of heaven was his surrounding He was called the anointed covering cherub who enjoyed the position of highest honor before god Isaiah refers to this uh, supreme angel as the star of morning lucifer morning star son of the dawn He was filled with wisdom and beauty and he was blameless. Okay, let's talk about his fall and then we'll close Satan became very prideful in his exalted position as the covering cherub, all right? Blow the dust off your pen. We actually get to fill in two blanks tonight. The covering cherub, okay, in his pride, he sinned and was cast from the mountain of God. So pride, I, me, myself, and I, the unholy trinity, that was Satan's downfall. What's the number one celebrated and pushed virtue in our society today? Pride. And not just pride, it's love of I. We talked about that before. The number one law of Satanism is do what you will shall be the whole of the law. And that's what we're teaching our whole society is to be good Satanists. It's all about you. It's what you want because you know what's right. You know what's good and evil. Don't listen to anybody else. Don't listen to God. You. Self-love, self-respect, self-esteem, self, 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 self. And we wonder why our world is looking so satanic. Isn't that mind-blowing? Absolutely mind-blowing. Much trickery. Satan's sin uh, is chronicled uh, in Isaiah 14. But You said in your heart, I'm going to ascend to heaven. I'll raise my throne above the stars of God. I'm going to sit on the mountain of assembly in the recesses of the north. I'm going to ascend the heights of the clouds. I'm going to make myself like God, like the most high. As Ryrie states, the New Testament pinpoint Satan's particular sin as arrogance. It's your next blank there. Arrogance, conceit or being puffed up okay uh first timothy talks about that when you get somebody into leadership uh, be careful you know uh that you know who you're dealing with and who you you know lay hands on okay uh because they can become arrogant and they're gonna and he says they're they're gonna fall for the same trap of the devil okay again lending to this arrogance problem okay when satan fell from his exalted position he apparently took with him as many as one third of the angels matthew 25 revelation twelve-four. Sometime later in the Garden of Eden, Satan tempted Adam and Eve into taking the forbidden fruit, okay? And Satan's doom was then revealed. He would be successful in only bruising the seed of the woman, i.e. Jesus Christ, obviously, on the heel, of course, on the cross, okay? But the seed of the woman would uh, bruise or crush his head. Now, if you guys had a pick of an injury to try to survive from, would you rather have a bruised heel or a crushed head? Anyway, let's take a poll because I'm just concerned about you guys being awake tonight. How many of you guys would like to have a crushed head? Praise God. How about a bruised heel? Praise God. Okay, we're on the same page. Yeah. So what's God saying? Isn't he merciful? Isn't he wonderful? Right when mankind, uh, this is called the, the the great Genesis 3.15 passage. Okay? The wonderful promise from God. Mankind just rebelled against God. Just rebelled against God. They had everything perfect. And out of mercy, instead of God going, <laughs> nuked the planet start all over he made coverings for them okay symbolizing that there's going to have to be a sacrifice to cover your sins Does that sounds familiar and then he makes the great promise okay that one day i'm going to undo what the devil did he's the loser here i'm going to crush his head okay one day from the seed of the woman obviously mary jesus is gonna come one who's gonna crush your head don't you think he was sweating bolts? and see that makes sense because when you read throughout the scripture how many times do we see people trying to annihilate the jewish people why because all over and over this starts to make sense satan was there he heard the promise from god and so you see the annihilation of the jewish people because he was trying to prevent the one who's going to crush his head but he lost can you imagine the glee of the demons if you will when when jesus died on the cross not understanding the fullness of God's plan. They must have laughed. They must have been, how many was it, 4,000 years? About 4,000 years they've been trying to subvert God's plan to no avail. And then the one who's going to crush their head, Jesus, appears on the scene. They think they've did it. They've won. Now Satan's beat God. The promise cannot be fulfilled because we we just beat him. And the moment they thought they had the greatest victory, it was their actual complete defeat. Isn't God awesome? How many you guys are thinking he's going, nye, nye, nye. I mean, just from, if you will, from God's point of view, man, I love it. Okay? And uh, he delivered the death blow to Satan. This spelled out Satan's ultimate defeat. We're going to close with a quote from uh, Charles Spurgeon, one of my favorite quotes. And he talks about this issue on uh, spiritual warfare. And uh, listen to what he says. And we have to keep this in mind, guys, because we, we're just obviously getting started tonight. And, uh, um, but we're going to get into the details of how he attacks, when he attacks, all that's all about. How are we supposed to deal with it? The armor of God, man, wait till we get to that. What a great study and things of that nature. How do we stand in the day of evil? But see, oftentimes I've learned in the church too is even when we awaken to the fact, we get away from the 65% shadow boxing number, okay? We'll go to the end of the spectrum and then we blame everything on the devil and and then we get all afraid and we give him way more attention uh, uh, than Jesus Christ and we don't realize that the devil is the loser and greater is he that is in us than he is in this world and we do not need to be afraid. God has not given us a spirit of fear but of love, power, and of a sound mind. But here's what Spurgeon says, and we'll close. He says, what a remarkable picture to behold. All the enemies of Christ totally disarmed. And Satan has nothing left now with which he may attack us. He may attempt to injure us, but wound us he never can, for his sword and spear are utterly taken away. Be very courageous, Christian. Remember that you have to fight with a stingless dragon. He may hiss, but his teeth are broken, and his poison fang is ex- extracted. You have to do battle with an enemy already scarred by your master's weapons. Every blow you give him takes its toll upon him, for he has nothing left to protect him. Jesus Christ has stripped him naked, divided his armor, and left him defenseless. The enemy may rush in on you with hideous noise and terrible alarms. Ah, he roars like a lion, but he's not a lion, like one. But there is no real cause for fear. Stand fast in the Lord, rejoice in the day of battle, for it is for you but the beginning of an eternity of triumph. He's a loser, a big, fat loser. And I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to the day when he gets chucked into, at the end of the moon kingdom, into the lake of fire with the false prophet and the Antichrist who's been suffering there for a 1,000 years. It's not annihilation. And I hope God lets us see that. He is our greatest arch enemy. He is real. We don't have to be afraid. Jesus whooped him on the cross. We've got the armor of God. He, can, he cannot defeat us. The only way it happens is if He gets us to turn in on ourselves and, or, and to self explode, implode, or He gets us to not understand and use the armor that God has given us. And that's what we'll continue on, Lord, one next time. Let's pray. Well, hi, this is Pastor Billy Crone of Sunrise Baptist Church, and I hope you enjoyed today's study. But before you go, let me ask you one final question Are you sure that if you were to die today,